Jude chapter 1. We'll look at verse 3. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able. Jude chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Jude chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the Word of God says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And let's pray. Lord, help us as we turn to this portion of Scripture tonight. Give us entrance in the, the time we have set aside to study your word. Give us wisdom. And may the Holy Spirit of God teach us more about our faith and how to protect it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're in this little Bible study series about the faith. We actually started here and then we're stopping back through here again after talking for some weeks. Uh, We talked about the definition of the faith. The faith refers to the common salvation. So the faith contains the fundamentals of what it what you have to believe to be a Christian. But then the faith goes on to <clears throat> contain, and it's a, a big phrase, that means all of the doctrines that Christians are called to believe. So the faith can refer to the elements of salvation, and then the faith goes on to refer to everything that God wants us to believe and know. And so uh, we've talked about uh, that and... and uh, what it means to have the faith. We talked about the expectation of faith last week, that the faith includes a set of expected behaviors and how the Christians were called Christians first at Antioch where they began to take what they believed and it it worked out of them as they began to yield to the Lord and obey the Scripture. Next thing you know, they began to live like Jesus. And so the people called them little Christ. Christian means little Christ. And so they began to not just believe the faith, but to practice the faith. And then they began to look like Jesus. Now, isn't that our goal? The ultimate goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. And so we never must lose sight of the fact that the goal is not just to believe something, but to believe it and practice it And then it actually changes our behavior. And there's an expectation that comes along with the faith. We talked about the seal of God. And that God said that that the the foundation of the faith is that the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let them that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There's an expectation that God's people would not live in sin. That's the expectation of the faith. But tonight we're going to talk about the contention of the faith. So we talked about the definition of the faith, and then we talked about the expectation of the faith. Tonight, the contention of the faith. We are commanded in the book of Jude to earnestly 
contend for the faith. What does that mean? We must fight wholeheartedly to protect the faith that God delivered to the saints. Now, why should we protect it? Well, first of all, it was only delivered once. Isn't that what Jude chapter 3 says? It says that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Listen, God gave it to us already. He's not going to give it to us again. It's our job to protect the faith, to contend for it, so we can pass it on to the next generation, and then they fight for it, and they can pass it on to the next generation. The only reason you and I have the faith today is because previous generations contended for it and didn't let it get watered down or changed along the way. You say, preacher, how could the faith get watered down? We see it around us every day. Do you know that every church in South Kingstown is not God's church? You say, preacher, how can that be? Things that are different can't be the same. And these things are so incredibly different. Uh, Different ways of getting to heaven. Different ways to worship the Lord. Different Bibles. Different ways of, of, of conducting church services. They can't all be the same. But there is one thing that has to be the same if you're going to be called the church of God. And that is the faith. Do you know there are churches in America that you couldn't get saved in by accident? That you couldn't go in there and ask the preacher, how can I be saved? They wouldn't know what to tell you. Do you know I have personally witnessed to pastors in Rhode Island and they didn't know what it meant to be born again? The pastor didn't know what it was to know for sure you're going to heaven? Folks, everything that's called a church isn't a church. That doesn't make us better than anybody, but it gives us a responsibility that we must protect the truth. And a lot of these churches once did have the truth, but they didn't contend for it, and they lost it. How would they lose it? Look at verse number 4. For there were certain men crept in unawares or secretly, unknowingly, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, there's a lot there. But did you know that Satan has prepared people to go into churches and try to change the faith? Did you know that? Did you know that not every Bible that has the word Bible on the outside is the Bible? That's shocking to some people. But did you know that Satan had some people translate the Bible into different versions, and it's no longer the Bible. Some of the most common Bibles out there are based on a Westcott and Hort rendering of the Greek language. Did you know Westcott and Hort didn't believe in Jesus? Did you know Westcott and Hort were not saved? Would you want a Bible that was translated by someone that didn't believe the Bible? Of course not. But see, the average person doesn't know that their NIV is based on a translation for people that didn't even believe in Jesus. They just don't know. And so many of the new versions are based on that same faulty text. It's that same way. Did you know every TV preacher is not preaching the truth? 
Do you know every preacher on the radio is not preaching the truth? That Satan can bring people in and call them preachers and preach a different gospel? Of course he can. Did you know that sometimes Satan can bring people into a church like ours and those people secretly, unawares, could try to change things? And it hasn't happened here in a while, but there have been times over the years where people have tried to spread false doctrine, and it's the preacher's job to say, we're not going to teach that here. And no, if, you, if you're going to believe that, you can't teach a Sunday school class. Or no, we're not going to talk about that at the ladies' meeting. Why? Because it's people who have a... a they have changed the faith, and they unaware secretly try to propagate this faith. That's how churches change. And I try to be the preacher, and you need to pray for me because it gets harder and harder sometimes with all this craziness going on. A preacher has to make hard decisions and draw the line and say, no, we're going to contend for the faith. Our church does not need another, or our community does not need another watered-down church. We don't need another church that's rocking out on Sundays and not teaching the Word of God. We don't need another church that's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. We don't need another church that's giving into Calvinism and just, well, if they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. There's no need to preach the gospel. Our community does not need another church that just says, well, live however you want. God will sort it all out. Folks, those people have in many cases left the faith. And if it wasn't for a generation of people before us and this generation today, Curtis Corner Baptist Church could be no more. In August, our church turned 180 years old. Can you believe that? The only reason why it does that is because there have been generation after generation where at least a handful of people would say, we're going to contend for the faith. We're not going to give up the faith. We're not going to go with the new fads, the new trends. We're not going to, we're not going to experiment on God's people with God's house. We're going to stick with the same Bible and the same doctrine and the same worship and all of this. And you know what? If Jesus doesn't come back and there's people that contend for the faith in 180 more years, Curtis Corner Baptist Church could still be alive. That's the beauty of it. And the hard part is you've got to contend. And sometimes contending doesn't win you many friends. Have you ever stood up for something that's right and then people got upset at you? Have you ever been surprised by some of the people that you thought would stick with you? And boy, when the going got tough, they rolled. <laughs> I mean, they, they rolled on you and you're sitting there. You thought at least you'd have him with you or her with you. And now it's like everybody's just gone But you stood, and that matters. So we have to contend for the faith. The faith was given once and for all. And by God's grace, we must protect it, contend for it, until we get to heaven. Let me show you a few ways in the Scripture in the last minutes we have about how we can contend for the faith just by looking at scriptural evidence. Let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6. How can we contend for the faith? (coughs) 
We see first that we must contend for the faith through wisdom and passion. Notice it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, And Stephen, boy, Stephen was a great guy, wasn't he? Full of faith and power, did wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. So Stephen's not just preaching the truth. This was the time of the sign gifts where he's literally doing miracles to prove to these new that this this infant church is from God. They had a special dispensation to do miracles in the eyes of the people, and still they were disputing with them. But look at verse 10. And they, those that were disputing, were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Notice that smallest spirit is talking about passion. It's talking about his spirit, his, his attitude, his passion that came across. So he was passionate about it, and he had wisdom. And we must contend for the faith through wisdom. We must do it wisely. We can't go down. You know, the, sometimes people go down in the mud and want to drag you down with them. We can't get stuck down in the mud. We can't take the low road. A lot of times we got to take the high road, but we can do it with wisdom and we can do it with passion. And people ought to really believe that you believe what you say. And how does that happen? Through passion. If I just told you, I love my wife. Do you love your wife? Yeah, I love my wife. She's great. Yeah, yeah she's awesome. You'd be like, I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but I'm not sensing the love. But what if you said, hey, do you love your wife? My eyes filled up. My voice began to tremble. I said, I love my wife. And then maybe I got a little bit excited. Hey, let me tell you something. I'd marry her all over again. Greatest decision I ever made is when I married. Now you're like, wow, who really believes that? And so we need to... Contend for the faith with wisdom and with passion. Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 22. Speaking of Saul, who would eventually become the Apostle Paul, we see verse 9, verse 22 of chapter 9, but Saul increased the more in what? Strength in what? Everybody help me. But Saul increased the more in strength. That's right. And confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. So we need to be growing in strength. Do you know that the longer you're saved, the more confidence you should have? The longer you're saved, the more uh, spiritual power you should have? We ought to be increasing in strength so we can prove who Christ is. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And look at verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days responded with them out of the Scriptures. So he went to the synagogue of the Jews. The synagogue, they would meet on the Sabbath day, <coughs> on Saturday, and so Paul, trying to win Jews to Christ, would go to the place where they congregated, but he would preach Jesus out of the Old Testament. And look what it says, verse 3. Opening and alleging 
that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Now remember, the Jews thought the Messiah would come and set up his kingdom. They missed all the Old Testament truths that the Messiah would first have to come and die to pay for their sins, and then he would come back and set up his kingdom. So the Apostle Paul would show up on the synagogue on the Sabbath day, a bunch of Jews in there worshiping according to the Old Testament. Well, they would give people the opportunity to get up and speak. The Apostle Paul was well-trained as a Pharisee. He had the opportunity to get up and speak, but he got up and preached about Jesus. And he was showing them the Messiah had to die. That's what the Old Testament talked about. The Messiah had to die before he set up his kingdom. But notice in verse 3 it says that Paul was opening and alleging. So the word opening means to expound. And the word alleging means to place alongside or to present. So the Apostle Paul would open a passage of Scripture, and he would show this. And then he would open another passage of Scripture, and he would show that. And then he'd open another passage of Scripture and show that. And he was showing them, line upon line, that the Scripture was proving that Christ was who he said he was. And we must contend for the faith by presenting scriptural truths side by side. So sometimes we have to put Scripture side by side. But sometimes we have to take maybe a worldly philosophy or maybe someone else has a religion. They think, well, you can get to heaven by being a good person. And so we put that, that uh, fact there that they believe and then we take the scripture and place it alongside of it to show them what God said and then another scripture and another scripture and another scripture and that overrides and proves what God said. So we need to contend for the faith by presenting a scriptural truths. Look at Acts chapter 18. <clears throat> Acts chapter 18. And verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So here we find him again going into the synagogue week after week, week after week, and he reasoned with them. Uh, and the word reason speaks about uh, and persuaded speaks about uh, convincing through discussions, thorough discussions. So persuaded means convincing. The word reason talks about thorough discussions. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we, we want to talk to people about the Lord, but if they give us any pushback at all, we just give up. Right? We give up too easy. The Apostle Paul was willing to reason he was willing to have continued discussions. And sometimes people get saved quickly, and sometimes it takes years for people to get saved. But the Apostle Paul was willing to week after week, as long as someone was willing to keep listening, he was willing to keep preaching Christ. Amen? So that's contending for the faith. <clears throat> and nowadays we see, uh, you know, so someone says, well, I believe that you can just change your gender. Do you know that most people, when they say that, the public pressure is so much, those people get very little pushback on that? They don't have to reason it out. They don't have to have a thorough discussion. But if you were to say, explain that to me, and what about this, and what about this, they can't stand up to that. Uh, these, these crazy doctors who are literally giving children who can't drive uh, drugs, to change their gender and even performing 
life-changing surgeries. Uh, I think it's, it's absolutely criminal. But do you know if you begin to ask them why and how, they can't stand up to that. Nobody pushes back. But we Christians, we can not only not fold whenever someone, an atheist, comes and says, well, why do you believe in God? We can't fold and just give up and say, well, I don't want to talk about it. No, we need to have reasoned, thorough discussions. But then on the other hand, we also need to challenge people on their beliefs. Why do you believe you can go to heaven? Why do you, why do you believe being a Roman Catholic gets you to heaven? Why do you believe that you can just change genders because that's how you're feeling today? And, and have a discussion. That's how we contend for the faith. Now, we ought to be kind. We ought to be loving. But we ought to be willing to have difficult conversations. All right, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll show you two more here ways that we contend for the faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We must contend for the faith by fighting the good fight of faith. Now notice it's a good fight. It means it's a worthy fight, but it's also a clean fight. You know, people who are not Christians, they don't live by the same morals, they don't live by the same the same ethics, they will, they'll punch low, they'll, they'll do low blows, they'll sucker punch you, they won't play honest, they'll, they'll say things that they know are untrue. God's people, we have to take the high road, but still be willing to fight the good fight of faith. And it is a fight. Why? Because from the very beginning, Satan has attempted to corrupt the faith. And we must be willing to fight for our faith. We don't fight with our fists and we don't fight with a mean disposition, but we fight with the truth, being unrelenting, holding to the truth, speaking the truth. We're not going to bow just because of pressure. We're not going to bow because they'll, they'll cancel us. I've had a YouTube account already disabled, still disabled today. If I'm signed into that account and I, and I go onto YouTube for something to look something up, it will not even let me look on anything on YouTube because that account is still suspended. And not just suspended where I can't post anything, but as a lasting reminder that you're not even allowed to look on our website. Crazy. You know, you see all the, all the other censoring of all the other things. And nowadays, uh, you know, I was looking at a, a clip Last year, whenever they had these parents going to the, the uh, school board meetings, and a parent got up and said, I want to read you a couple pages from the book that was assigned to my child. And as they got up and just started to read their child's assignment, the school board said, no, we, we can't have that kind of language in here, no stop. And they would literally turn off the microphone so that they couldn't hear what, their what they had been assigning the children. Does that make sense to you? So when someone's argument can't stand up to any pushback at all, then they just try to silence you. And we have to say, listen, Christians won't be silenced. They've, they've drowned Christians. 
They've burned them in the, at the stake. They've sawn them in half. They've hanged them from the gallows. They've crucified them. All these things through the years. But Christianity is still alive today. Why? Because Christians are willing to contend for the faith. And we understand that sometimes it's a fight. Now, we don't want to fight, but we're willing to contend for the faith in necessary times. Let me show you last verse. Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2. <coughs> and look at verse 9. I know thy works. He's talking to a church in Smyrna. Verse 8. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are are the synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, watch this. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days, but be thou faithful unto what? death and I will give thee a crown of life. So wait a minute. The Bible here teaching these people, don't be afraid of what, what's going to happen. You're going to suffer. But I want you to stay strong. What does it mean you're going to suffer? Well, some of you are going to go to jail. Excuse me? Yeah, some of you are going to go to jail. And some of you are going to be put on trial to shame you. And then some of you are going to die but be faithful until the end. See, the expectation of God is that no matter what we face, that we're just going to contend for the faith. And we have always hoped that none of these things would happen in our lifetime in America, and we have been very protected. But you know what? Whether these things happen or not, we have to decide ahead of time, what are we going to do? You know, your preacher has to think about What are we going to do whenever they arrest me one of these days if if they were to arrest me for just preaching the truth, for just saying something like Jesus is the only way to heaven, for saying something like, no, you can't just change your gender because you feel like it, for saying something like immorality is a sin, and no, we shouldn't live like that, and yes, we should do this and go to church. What if one of these days they shut down the church and say, well, if you have a church, you're going to jail and your preacher shows up and, you know, I have to think about these things. Why? Because I don't want to get to that day and never have considered. And by the grace of God, I'm not up here saying, bless God, this is what I'm going to, 20 years ago, I probably would have said that nothing's going to stop me. And that was Peter's mistake, wasn't it? But now I say, by the grace of God, I want to stay faithful and to the end, whether that's behind a bars of a jail or sitting in trial or at the point of death, or perhaps it's just willing to say the truth when the public is caught up in all kinds of madness and we're just willing to stand no matter what they say. See, if we're willing to go to jail for the truth, we're probably going to stand a little bit easier 
when someone's calling us a name. Does that make sense to you? And so contend for the faith. And when it comes to the faith, we have to have a contention for the faith because if we don't, we will lose it one day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. And I pray that we would all have the strength to contend for the faith. You know, a lot of people, Lord, they, they don't seem to have the strength to live out their faith in a free country. And Lord, we need to have the strength not only to live and practice our faith as committed Christians in a free world, but even also if it becomes not so free. We must contend with those who would want to change doctrine and challenge sound doctrine. We must contend with those